Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hello folks and welcome to another episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success forwards. In this episode, we are discussing the very important issue, how do you recruit the very best salespeople? Obviously, in any business, the quality of your employees is critical to your success. And in sales, obviously, the salespeople's ability to sell effectively is critical to the organization's success. So, Phil, you're going to kick us off. I am indeed. Um, I think things have moved on a lot since the good old days of hard copy adverts or using recruitment agencies. I think uh, where we get the best quality people from these days can be wide and varied. For example, if I was a sales and marketing director today, I would be very actively involved in networking groups online and offline, uh, keeping an eye out for those salespeople who post the best content or make the most interesting observations about the future and of course I would eyeball some of those at various meetings and conferences around the country so that's just one of the recruitment mechanisms that I would certainly be employing. So you're Um, suggesting that that instead of fishing in the same pool as everyone else going through the same agencies going through the same thing it's about getting out there and Pressing the flesh and meeting people what and observing. What, what I'm talking about is, is not recruiting people with a trawl in it, yeah. but to be very, very targeted and saying to oneself, that individual is the sort of person that we ought to have on board in months to come. And then you start the courtship process after that. Um, I, I also used to work with somebody years ago who had a, uh, another interesting way uh, of recruiting salespeople. He used to ask all of the customers that he met on his travels, who are some of the best salespeople that you meet? Who's the best person you see? And sometimes, of course, they weren't necessarily in that same market sector, but if they had a set of transferable skills, then he was interested in them. And he would start to research them, make contact with them, have an informal coffee with them, and sound them out. So I think there are lots of interesting and different ways today to identify the best new salespeople around. That would be a couple of suggestions to kick us off. Because I think it's, your, your comment is very interesting. And I, I suppose my experience is that people are probably divided into two camps on this. One is they like to recruit people with experience in their industry. And obviously, in certain cases, that will probably be, or their market, that will probably, in some cases, that may be very important. Whereas other people will say, I'll look for the sales competence general sales competence and effectiveness and then we can give that person the product knowledge that they that they need there's probably you know there's pros and cons i guess of both both ways of doing it well just just on that point about what we're looking for uh, years ago i must have had a menu of recruitment questions uh, that i used to use when i was interviewing salespeople, and probably on that list well, well over 25, 30 different questions that I yeah. used to select from. Um, and then I uh, heard somebody talk about there's only three things you're looking for when you recruit salespeople. 
uh, and they each begin with C. You've mentioned one of them now. Uh, competence, i.e., can they do the job? The second C is commitment. Do they want to do the job? And the third C is culture, i.e., will they fit? And when I heard that, I thought, well, I'll just revisit my little bank of 30 questions and see how many of them actually fit into those three things. Because I like that. Can they do the job? Do they want to do the job? Will they fit? And I found, of course, not surprisingly, that many of my questions, although I might have been quite pleased with them, they weren't actually doing anything other than causing a chat about something. They weren't actually helping me identify one of those three points. Because interviewing in and of itself is notoriously quite a poor and flawed way of recruiting successfully. However, it still remains the predominant one. So I think if you are recruiting, familiarising yourself with some sort of robust competency-based questioning, um, uh, sort of uh, situational questioning about the person, behavioural interviewing as it's sometimes called, tell me about a specific time you did this. So the, the concept is that, that most recent behaviour is likely to be the best predictor of future behaviour. Yeah. So you're asking questions about real-life situations. You're asking for evidence, aren't you? Yeah, you know, what was the situation, what action did you take, yeah. what was the effect, what was the result? out of it I think yeah. helps to improve the validity yeah. but um, in and of itself that's not that's not usually enough mm. so mm. Um, no. I, th I think there's also another interesting view that um, some of my customers have in, in the sense that interviewing doesn't work because yeah. people are perfection at that moment in time and what they really ought to be doing is creating an assessment day of some sort where you might ask the recruitment agency to present four or five people who come along on the same day for a series of discussions and exercises. You can see who interacts well with each other. And of course, if you're looking for salespeople, you're probably looking for somebody that can build rapport as opposed to somebody that stands off the group and says nothing. So there is an interesting assessment versus recruitment argument. Yeah, but you see, I'm sitting here listening to I to noticed all the look on your face. He's going yeah. to come up with <laughs> some piece of research now, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? And it, well, no, I can say I uh, helped run an assessment centre recently. So yeah, for this organisation, it cost a lot of money. Yeah, they uh, get people in. Uh, all kinds of exercises are put together and from that you kind of monitor the people and work out who's the best person and the best person for the job was the person they predicted who was going to be the best person for the job from having spoken to them before the assessment centre began so what it basically meant that all those thousands of pounds they spent on the assessment centre were completely wasted and we know from research on recruitment that 99% uh, of people make up their mind who they're going to employ within the first minute of meeting the potential recruit. And so actually all that happens is you run an interview for an hour out of politeness because you've invited these people along and in the first minute you've made your mind up you're not going to appoint them but you keep the interview going because it's too impolite to say after one minute you're not for us mate so any, you... any research on how accurate those first impressions yeah, are see, however interestingly I remember watching a TV program on EasyJet. Yeah, they used to have this kind of TV program, you know, day in the life of EasyJet. Yes. And on one program, they were talking about the, they were in recruitment interviews. And I always remember that at the end of every recruitment interview they did, so they're recruiting cabin crew, they're recruiting sales staff, everybody. But they had one question they asked each other at the end of the interview. And that was, is that person orange? 
Now, the brand colour of EasyJet is bright orange. Yes. And all they were really asking themselves is, does this person fit? Does this person fit with us? Are they one of us? And that's all that recruitment ever does. Are, are they one of us? So we, we like to think that we're ticking boxes by saying what their competencies are. We like to see whether they, they think analytically or whether they can uh, think on their feet or process things. And actually, none of that makes any jot of a difference because we make all our decisions, even when you do this with people looking at people's CVs. So you look at people's CVs and you say, you know, even if you're doing blind CV testing, so you have no name, no nothing, no knowledge to who the person is, People make their mind up on the aesthetics of the CV. If it looks nice, they're probably going to fit with us. And I think that is a dangerous thing because there is a danger that you recruit yourself. You know, the per you like the person because they are similar yep. to you, and then you end up with zero kind of diversity. I know from yep. from using quite a sophisticated uh, neuroscience-based profiling instrument, Prism Brain Mapping (PRISM). Yep. Um, with a client where they were looking to bring in um, a particular profile of salespeople, we prism profiled the sales management team, we prism profiled the existing sales team, and the, the similarities were incredible. So basically, the sales managers were recruiting people that they felt comfortable yep. with, and they were people like themselves, but unfortunately, that profile was not what was required. It was wrong for, them, for the business, for, yeah. for, for, particularly for new business yeah. development. So certainly, yeah. using something, I'm a big, I'm a big fan as a, obviously as a sort of practitioner, a certified prism practitioner. But role profiling your top performing salespeople gives you a behavioural profile that is likely to be successful for your company and your industry. So I think putting in some data points some additional data and, and analytics into your recruitment process i think not saying the personal stuff doesn't matter and the cultural fit of course it matters but there's a danger it's a bit wishy-washy but that's about how you do the recruitment because if you want more people like the successful salesperson to do whatever it is in that particular mm. facet they're really good at dealing with a particular kind of client and you want more people like that then you shouldn't do the sales interview that sales person should do the job interview because then they're going to find someone like themselves yeah and i think it's very dangerous if it's one person doing the interviewing yeah. as well you know i think you need you need you know different people's opinions and then you know you you may you may then end up we hope with a better with a better process than than yourself i'm yeah. sure far too many sales managers think they are I don't know, psychic in their ability yeah. to, re to, re to recruit salespeople. But also, I guess we need to give some thought, guys, to, to what, with that behavioural profile in mind, what sort of customers they're going to be selling into. So what, what, what is the profile, behavioural profile, likes, dislikes of your customers? Yeah. So, for example, if they're selling into government or public sector, the sort of buyers they're going to meet may be different in profile sometimes than they are maybe in the mm. private the private sector. Yeah. Well, get them to do the interviews then. Get your customers to do the interviews. Which is another as another interesting interesting <laughs> way to bring you. Yeah. I, I had a, a customer years ago who said to me, um, need, need to have a quick chat with you before you leave the building today. So I said, fine. So I went to see him and he said, um, need to have a chat to you about this um, problem customer we've got in Hull. So he talked to me about that and I said, um, as a matter of interest, who is actually managing this problem customer in Hull? And he said, well, that would be Terry. 
And I said, well, can you give me a quick sort of profile of Terry? So on he went, talking about Terry, he's been with us five years and blah, blah, blah. And then I asked what I thought was a, a fairly obvious question. I said, as a matter of interest, why is Terry managing this particular account in Hull? And he said, well, Terry is managing the account in Hull because he, um, um, he, happens, to, um, he happens to live... Um, he happens to live fairly close to... And I said, it wouldn't be Hull, would it? <laughs> and I think that's a classic example of where he was managing the account through fate, i.e. geography and his home address. The, he, yes. What that company needed to do was exactly what you're talking about, which is to say, well, is there an argument that says, is there a recruitment profiling that says that for this particular market sector, mm. we need this type of individual, or indeed for this particular one-off customer, whether it be British Airways or the MOD or whatever, fairly unique set of culture and what have you. Um, there is a very strong argument that says that, you know, have we got the right person for the right customer, not just a blanket recruitment profile? And I think I certainly was involved <clears throat> in some recruitment where um, a particular person was being uh, recommended and sponsored by, by their boss for promotion um, into quite quite a strategic sort of key account role and was and because of the sector fast moving consumer goods there was a very very strong and quite complex numerical capability that was that was needed but when we put the numerical reasoning person through numerical reasoning they scored possibly one of the lowest scores that's ever happened and I was involved in a bit of an argument and a debate where they said, but they've got bags of potential and they're, they're full of all this caper, you know, et cetera. And I'm going, yes, but they're not going to be able to cope with the numbers. So they're going to get incredibly stressed, make bad decisions, and they're probably going to hate the job. This is not the role to... I'm not denying they have potential, but they haven't got the potential on paper. Facts are saying they are not going to be able to cope with a demanding, complex commercial buying job here. Yeah. Sorry, dealing with a complex commercial buyer. Because they're going to run rings around them and mm. they're going to get very stressed. And it would be, a, I think it would be unfair to put someone into a role that mm. they just don't have, yeah. they don't have the competence or the capability for. Well, that's yeah. why you have to keep doing this because the person, you get someone in like that who's stressed by the job, they haven't got the competence and then they leave, so you need to get somebody again. So the word recruitment, the word re at the beginning, means yes. you're doing it again. Yeah. yeah, And the only reason you're doing it again is because you failed to keep people. So not only is it about how do we interview people, but it's about how do we keep them so we don't have to keep doing this. And I saw some, some interesting um, profiles, uh, behavioural profiles of and it was using the the the, the rather classic hunter farmer concepts um, that, that's obviously been around for many many years and showing there were distinct behavioral differences between successful hunters and successful farmers and you need to know what you are looking for and what you want those people to be going and going and doing because the the approaches the approaches yeah. don't fit and the closer the person's behavioural preferences and profile is to what's going to be demanded, all of the evidence shows you have a more happy, productive yep. and competent person. It's like a square peg in a square peg in a square yeah. hole. Mm. And I think that's an important an important thing to be for people to be considering when they're doing yeah. the recruiting. Yeah. 
Well, luckily, technology can come to the answer there. I knew he was going to bring technology in. <laughs> do you have an app for that? <laughs> no, but you should have. You see, because you can develop an app that will do that profiling, will allow people to enter things, and your technology can measure what they're doing to work out, do they fit the right profile? So are they that square peg in that square hole? Before they've even finished the application process. So you'll have already filtered them out by having a proper app that is using artificial intelligence to give you advice so that even though they've gone through the, the process of filling in an app, actually that will help you. But they want to fill in an app. So most young people now, their default position is using apps on their phone. So if you're, if, you're, if you're in recruitment and you need to get new staff, you're missing out on potential high-quality staff who aren't going to fit the job because you haven't got an app to recruit them. Well, I think also, you know, we were, we were talking before we came on air about your son's experience of, of, of um, a recruitment process that was actually quite problematic and difficult for him to, for yeah, him to go through. Yeah, lots of emails going backwards and forwards and complicated web forms to fill in or would have been much easier if there was an app on the phone. And I was speaking to an HR director only yesterday who said that she's discovered that unless their firm is offering apps, they're losing people left, right and centre from that kind of millennial, Generation Z kind of group of people who you might want as young salespeople, people who just graduated, people who are going to come in as you know, new sales trainees or whatever it is. You can't attract the right people. They want your business to be using... Everything has got to be run on an app. So if you haven't got recruitment on an app, you are showing your potential recruits that the rest of your business isn't run by apps, and therefore they're less likely to apply in the first place, which means you're reducing your pool of good people to the people who are actually rather old-fashioned, and that's not what you want. That reminds me of, we've done a previous episode on the sales chat show about are you making it difficult for your customers to buy from you by putting barriers in yep. their way? Same thing, are you making it easy for people to come and work for you? No, you're so to find you in the first place to, to apply, how, how easy is it? Because they won't just be looking at you. I think it was must be about eight years ago when I, I looked at a study about how could you get a job in the FTSE 100. Of course, that would no longer be Marks & Spencer because for the first time ever, they're they no longer out. in the FTSE 100. But in that day, Marks & Spencer was in the FTSE 100. So if you wanted a job at the FTSE 100, 75%, this is only eight years ago, 75% of the FTSE 100, 75 businesses, required you to write into them to get a job. Yeah, That's, eight years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. 100% of graduates at the time wanted to apply online. Yeah, yeah. Complete mismatch between what... And then you've got the current FTSE 100 wondering why they've got problems of not being able to kind of deal with modern ways of thinking, not being able to go into change. Their recruitment process was woefully inadequate for the time. And I know that HR directors at the time were saying, we need to change, but the people at the top were unwilling to change. And the brutal truth is anyone who is any good will have more options than just your organisation and how the entire candidate recruitment experience, you've got to remember, they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing well, they, them. If they're any good, they're going to have more than one job offer at the end of they it. Say, in fact, the, this woman I was speaking to yesterday said to me that uh, she, you know, she works in a medium-sized business and she's got graduate recruits coming now who are saying... What do you mean you don't offer free lunch? Yeah, because you know I'm weighing your business up yes. against working for Google or Facebook, 
who offer free lunch, including Michelin star chefs cooking the lunches. And that's included in my package. What are you offering me? I think you've got to sell hard when you're the recruiter. You've got to be, the irony is to recruit the best salespeople, yeah. you have to be selling them on why your organisation is such a, such a great so place I think to it, work. If you're a sales director, you need to be really pushing both HR and you know the managing director, chief executive or whatever, that you're not going to be able to recruit top sales staff and therefore you're not going to be able to sell as well as you might be able to and therefore the business isn't going to do as well unless there's dramatic change fantastic gentlemen any last closing thoughts just on the uh, the role of psychometric testing if i may um i think there is a place for it uh, within a recruitment um, process there is the quest for knowledge attitude skills and habits on the yep. part of the <clears throat> applicant uh, and i think what the psychometric profiling world does very well is to provide some sort of data on the attitudes and the habits of the candidate which of course you can't really interview for you can ask a few questions about it but you'll never know whether it's right or wrong uh, so i think the two together go very well you're, you're interviewing knowledge and skills and of course in the knowledge area in particular you can test that if you want to so you're interviewing knowledge and skills but the psychometric profile provides the attitudes and habits dimension of that cash profile. I mean, I, I strongly recommend their use. Um, I think because the irony of recruiting salespeople is you are recruiting people who are good at persuading you that they, you know, they're, they're the right person to buy from. So they're, they're, Do you mean they might be selling themselves? Well, there's a thought, you know, so they, they are, you know, they are going to be past masters, aren't they, at building rapport and making you feel comfortable, you know, yep. and selling, selling you on them as much as what they sell. So I think it's a even more challenging recruitment, perhaps, than, uh, than some other areas. <laughs> Mr. Jones, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, it's just uh, time for change, dramatic change, essential you're not going to recruit sales staff unless your business fundamentally changes. We're, we're at a tipping point in businesses. Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting, interesting, and uh, I think quite a big scary challenge yeah. for some for some yeah. organisations, particularly if you are looking to be targeting certain population groups and age profiles, yeah. like, you know, the new, newer generation. I mean, one thing I saw at the weekend, 40% of all sales by the top luxury goods companies goes to people under the age of 25. 40% of their sales are to people under the age of 25 in yeah. the luxury goods market. And they're completely missing out on on that age group because the people running those haven't changed the businesses to match what those under 25-year-olds are wanting. So lots to think about if you're a sales manager, lots to think about if you're a sales leader or if you're not a, involved directly in sales, but you're the MD of the organisation or HRDs, lots to think about. So thank you very much. Hopefully um, that will help you folks with your recruitment. Probably one of the most challenging things to get right. Uh, can be a very difficult and complicated process, but the more effort and planning I think you put into it, the more likely you are to, su to succeed. So that's been Graham Jones, Phil Jess, and I'm Simon Hazeldean for the Sales Chat Show. Lots more episodes, over 100 now, available for you to listen to. Saleschatshow.com has them all listed, or you can get them from wherever you access your podcasts. Thanks very much for listening.
have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 